Welcome in to this week's edition of the 3 and D podcast. It is part of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, along with the starting five, the core four, the long view with Parker Fleming and uh, GBB Live with today's guest, tonight's guest, Joe Molinax, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Joe, welcome on, man. How you doing? Uh, I don't know if that's the case. Um, <laughs> I'm doing okay. You know, it's a, it's, it's a time of year where we're in a position that, you know, we got to plan our, our naps accordingly. Um, yes. I'm kind of, I'm kind of dreading the next few games with Golden State, not because of the matchup, but because of just not getting as much sleep. Um, you know, I'm 35 now and I've got three kids, a uh, six-year-old, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And um, you know, the, the rest is valuable when you get to this wash state that I'm in. So I got to look at the schedule and say, okay, I guess I'm going to need to take a nap before I pick up the kids from daycare here. And, you know, it's, it's going to be challenging to, to make this work, but you know, for, for this one last run, uh, I think I can manage. No, I, I, I totally understand. I, uh, I have a one-year-old and uh, my job, I, I go in early and I get off early and it's just kind of like, I need to get stuff done. Do I take a nap? Uh, but now it's definitely like, I do need to take a nap because, you know, the Grizzlies have an eight 30 tip uh, Tuesday night and then they head out to golden state. And are you, are you a little bit surprised with the late tips for the Grizzlies? I mean, especially like the nine o'clock in Minnesota. Uh, I know they're both central times. I know they're in the Western conference, but still it feels like that, uh, the Grizzlies are kind of getting the short end of the stick for being in the central time zone. When you're in the central time zone, it makes things more difficult, you know, one way or the other, if they were in the Eastern conference, you know, it would be 6 PM starts for Memphis. And that would make things more challenging potentially depending on how, you know, again, if they got the early game, you know, the early start, uh, I'm guessing they would prefer the later one just because it gives people more time to get into the arena. Uh, And I also think from a Memphis perspective, if it's a 10 p.m. start at Golden State, it's really 9 p.m. for the largest market of Grizzlies fans. So it's not ideal, but it's better than maybe the earlier start when people are still working and are coming home from work, that sort of thing. Um, so I think that's uh, something to keep in mind. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, game one, Grizzlies come in about uh, less than 48 hours after getting knocking out Minnesota in round one. They had a shot to win it. They lose by one. John Morant's shot just goes off the backboard, doesn't go in. Are you okay with the outcome of game one for the Grizzlies? Uh, that's a relative term, right? Uh, do I wish the Grizzlies had won the game? Of course, I wish they had won the game. It was right there for the taking. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. had an amazing performance, one of the best, if not the best, games of his career. John Morant looked much more comfortable the team as a whole looked much more comfortable. I wrote about that on Monday for grizzlybearblues.com. The idea of them kind of regaining that youthful, audacious energy. You know, John Morant was hitting the gritty, I think, uh, <laughs> as Desmond Bain released a three. Um, you know, they looked more like themselves in that game. So in that way, that was great. And it's good to have that energy. I think it gives them a better chance to knock off the Warriors if they are able to be themselves. On the flip side, uh, they had a chance to win a game where Steph Curry and Klay Thompson shot 14 of 39, and they didn't. They had a chance to win a game against the Warriors when Draymond Green 
was gone for an entire half and they didn't. So I think both sides can kind of come out of that game feeling good, if that makes sense. Like Golden State's already taken away home court advantage, but at the same time it happened to Memphis in the previous series. And obviously things worked out okay for the Grizzlies. The Warriors aren't the Timberwolves, but at the same time, I think Memphis proved that, you know, all of this Warriors in four five, you know, the 20 ESPN analysts, none of them picking the Grizzlies. That was all a bit hyperbolic as well. Uh, this isn't the Warriors of 2017. Clay Thompson shot six for 19. Uh, people were giving me hell on Twitter for saying that, you know, Clay Thompson could be a liability. Well, he made a big three and he got a big stop. He, he was a veteran player when they needed him to be a veteran player. But the other 47 minutes of the game, he shot 33% from the field. Like that is the definition of a liability offensively. So uh, I think that while Golden State is very good, I think that they're a little bit more hyped than perhaps they should be. And, you know, they should be grateful that they came out with that win, just like the Grizzlies should look at that and say, hey, going into game two, we know we can play with these guys. Yeah, and Draymond got ejected from the game about no more than a minute left to go in the first half. And when the second half started, Jordan Poole was the guy that ended up taking his place in the starting lineup. Do you think that Steve Kerr had that in mind, even if Draymond wasn't ejected, that Poole was going to get that start? Or did that actually kind of hurt the Grizzlies because Poole was thrust into more minutes because Draymond was ejected? Poole was probably going to play more anyway. I mean, let's be real. He was a most improved player candidate. He was their best player in game one. I think he scored 31 points on 20 shots. Uh, He was explosive offensively. He was going to play. I think the difference would have been he would have played instead of Gary Payton II. And GP2 is, you know, one of the better rebounders for guards in the NBA. He's their best or one of their best on-ball defenders. Steph Curry is underrated in that way. Uh, So he might have something to say about that. But Gary Payton II is the one that drew the Morant assignment early on. He enables Curry to save his energy for the offensive end. I think that Poole probably will. He would have played, even if he didn't start the second half. I think he would have played more. He just would have played instead of Gary Payton II. And that would have led Memphis to having more offensive opportunity for maybe a Desmond Bain who struggled. Uh, Dylan Brooks maybe gets going a little bit more. I'm, I'm hesitant to say that Morant would go off more because if Steph Curry drives that, draws that assignment again. Steph is an underrated defender, but maybe that limits Curry's energy on the offensive end. It, it hampers what Golden State is trying to do in terms of balancing its offense if they just go to pool and ride with him alongside Thompson and Curry the entire time, alongside Wiggins as well. I know you touched on this in your on your report card, but Dylan Brooks, we've kind of gotten the trick-or-treat with Dylan Brooks all playoffs. Like, he has some good games. He has some bad games. He's good on the defensive end. Um, do you think it's possible that he actually will, you know, limit himself on shots, or is it always going to be a case of Dylan's going to get his shots no matter what? I think Dylan takes what the Grizzlies give him, and I think whether it was the bubble a couple of years ago when John Morant and everybody else deferred to Dylan Brooks – whether it was, you know, the Utah Jazz series when Jaron Jackson Jr. was still coming off of injury last year, or whether it's, you know, game one where Desmond Bain was not himself. I think Dylan Brooks is going to take advantage of opportunity if he's allowed to. And that makes me nervous moving forward with Bain's back injury. How he responds and how Brooks responds is pretty important. I think that the biggest thing for Dylan 
is the idea of maintaining that defensive energy. I believe it was our own Parker Fleming who tweeted out that Curry was 0 for 7 when Dylan Brooks was the defender closest to him uh, on shot attempts in that game. That is where Dylan's value is in this series, is slowing down Steph Curry. Because if you can trust Dylan Brooks almost by himself, not entirely because there were some help situations and coverages too, but if it's almost by himself to stop Steph or slow Steph, then you can pay more attention to Jordan Poole within scheme. Then you can make sure that Clay Thompson, who is limited outside of the range and mid-range and beyond the arc, uh, the Golden State offense gets a lot more predictable if Steph Curry can't be himself. And that's a massive value point. Dylan doesn't have to do it all. He's got Jaw. He's got Jaron. He's got Desmond if healthy. He has DeAnthony Melton, who had a strong game one back in the fold. He doesn't have to be that offensive juggernaut, but if the Grizzlies are going to give him opportunity, he's going to seize it for better or for worse. So let's talk a little bit about Desmond Bain. Uh, He's on the injury report. He's questionable. Zaire Williams, also questionable. He's missed the past few games as well. Steven Adams still out. We'll get to him in a little bit. But with Desmond Bain being questionable, first, that's the bad news on the injury report. The good news, though, neither Jared nor Ja, who both got banged up a little bit in game one, appeared on the injury report. Are you at all worried uh, about Bain not even playing uh, Tuesday night's game? Yeah, Jaron not having a concussion. That's really good news. Yes. Uh, he, he obviously took a nasty knock there on the old noggin. Um, I'm worried about Bain, not because of the injury report, but because of what my eyes saw mm. uh, on Sunday. You know, he looked like he was laboring. He was not himself offensively. The numbers back that up, but so did the eye test. Yeah, I think he had a big back wrap on his back for much of the second half. So I'm more concerned about that than I am his positioning on the Injury report with the Grizzlies PR staff, usually when they're questionable, that means they're going to play. And usually when they're doubtful, which technically I think is like the technical definition is 25% likely to play or unlikely to play. Um, When they're doubtful, they don't play. And then obviously out is out. Uh, So I think Bain will definitely play. The question is how effective is he going to be? They're going to have to trust that he can shoot regardless they're not going to leave Desmond Bain wide open the concern becomes can Bain check Clay Thompson or Jordan Poole can Bain get off the dribble and help create and facilitate offense uh, as that that de facto backup point guard that he plays at times when he's initiating sets if he can't do that then that severely hampers what the Grizzlies are trying to do offensively so that's what I'm most concerned about I think he's going to play but just how effective he is If all he is is a standstill shooter, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. But again, you stay home with that guy. You can still clog the paint for jaw, and the Warriors can still do a vast majority of what they want to do defensively. So let's move on to Steven Adams. Uh, I know also in your report card, you were very critical of Taylor Jenkins' rotation. Um, I just don't get the Conchar minutes. Brandon Abraham, I'm sorry, BC Abraham on Twitter, my buddy Brandon. If you're listening to this, I apologize. I just don't get the Conchar minutes. That didn't really make a ton of sense to me. And both Conchar and Xavier Tillman, I think X played 13 minutes and, and Conchar played nine, and they led the team in, in bad plus minus at negative 10 in their minutes. Uh, they, they could be better distributed, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, there were times I was looking out there. I was like, what's up with these lineups? You know, it was, it was kind of weird. And I know it's with Steven Adams, lack of rest. There are a lot of things that go into it, but – 
chances are when Stephen Adams returns, hopefully that'll be game three. The lineup's probably going to be looking a little bit different. How much of a challenge does Taylor Jenkins have with making adjustments for game from game one to game two, but also in the back of your mind, you're probably planning for Stephen Adams to return to the lineup in game three. And I think Adams has a place in this series. You know, Draymond Green is not the offensive weapon that Carl Anthony Towns is. People like to make fun of Cat on Twitter, uh, but he's one of the best offensive centers in the NBA. You know, there's Jokic, there's Embiid. Towns is probably number three. So it was a bad matchup for Steven Adams, and this is going to be a better matchup. Draymond is not a bad basketball player on the offensive end, but he's certainly not a great one on the, on the other side of the spectrum. So I think that you can get Adams and his elite screening, his elite rebounding. He is going to be more of a factor here than perhaps he was in the Timberwolf series once you get him healthy. And I believe he's earned an opportunity just like DeAnthony Melton. You know, Melton looked lost against Minnesota and he rode the bench a little bit because of it. But then he came back in in game one against the Warriors and looked much more like himself, at least compared to what we're used to uh, following this team during the regular season. So I think Adams deserves that same opportunity. And that takes away from those X minutes. Even if Adams only plays 15 or 16 minutes, I'm not saying he needs to get 40 or so, uh, but just that little more run will allow for the Grizzlies to get back into what they were during the regular season in terms of their offense in particular. And we've already seen plenty of evidence just in one game that the way the Warriors play, Memphis will get to those looks a lot more uh, simply or at least a lot more in rhythm than they did against Minnesota. You talked about minutes, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Best game, as you mentioned, maybe his best game of his career. You put that he probably need to play more than 31 minutes, especially when he was not in foul trouble in a game like that is 40 minutes out of the question for, for him. I mean, let's be honest. He really didn't play that many minutes against Minnesota because he was always in foul trouble. So he may have been one of the healthiest guys out there against uh against golden state it is the second round of the western conference playoffs we are in the western conference semifinals there are only eight teams remaining and i think you can make a viable case that these are the best eight teams in the nba and that's the way it should be right like it should yeah. be that way you want to see the best taking on the best jaron jackson jr is one of the best players in the series and he was feeling it in game one uh his fouls weren't even bad fouls. No. You know, he usually has ticky tack. I'm going to hit this guy in the face. I'm going to offensively do something as a screener and just have a terrible ticky tack foul. All three of the fouls he committed were good fouls where he's trying to do what made him great defensively protecting the rim. And they were maybe reputation calls. You know, they, they were not necessarily clean of, he clearly got the wrist. You know, they were debatable things. So I was fine with what Jaron was doing. And as you alluded to, he didn't play a ton in the Minnesota series. So I don't understand the logic of him only getting those 31 minutes. Coach Jenkins tried to say that he wasn't going to be playing these guys 40 minutes. If you're not going to play him 40 minutes now, when? You know, he sounded like Coach Budenholzer, his, uh, his mentor there with the Milwaukee Bucks. But Bud had to learn that you got to play Giannis about 40 minutes or so if you want to win these games in the playoffs, and Coach Jenkins has compared Giannis, or uh, Jaron to Giannis in the past, uh, not necessarily in terms of Jaron's going to be the best player in the NBA, but in terms of the way he envisioned using Jaron on this Grizzlies team. Maybe it's time to let him be more of the Greek freak and let him get some extended run 
reward him when he's doing the things that you want him to do. He's been punished when he's done the things that he's not supposed to do, understandably so. This was a moment where he was playing the exact way that you want Jaron Jackson Jr. to play, and he wasn't rewarded for it. So how do you see game two going? Uh, just all together, do you see the Grizzlies tying the series up? I mean, if they fall down 2-0, they are at the very – I mean, they're at the risk of a sweep right there. Uh, I picked the Grizzlies to win in seven, so they definitely need to win game two for that prediction <laughs> at the very least. Um, I think Memphis is going to win. The, the Grizzlies got amazing performance from Jared. And his three-point shooting is not going to continue, right? He shot 32% from the field. Uh, the, the laws of regression apply to all, regardless of the color of uniform that they wear. So Jaron's probably going to cool off from three. Um, but what John Morant did is completely sustainable. And what DeAnthony Melton did, you know, being that spark plug off the bench, how many examples of that did we see during the regular season? That's sustainable. Uh, the law of progression applies just like the law of regression does so is is desmond bain if healthy going to only make one three-point shot in five attempts again probably not is dylan brooks going to shoot a little bit better than he did in game one yeah probably so um it's not like the the warriors shot that differently than they normally do against the grizzlies i think that's important to point out jordan Poole was awesome but, you know, Steph Curry has had issues with Dylan Brooks in the past. We have history of that. So as long as Dylan stays out of foul trouble and as long as he is able to stay on the floor, I think, you know, Steph's going to get his because he's the best shooter in the history of the NBA. But at the same time, you know, getting his is going to look like 9 of 21, and that's a heck of a lot better than, you know, the 14 of 20 that he's capable of uh, with eight of them being threes. So I, I really am confident – that Memphis is going to pull out the game to win, splitting the series or getting it back to 1-1, heading out to Golden State several days off. They don't play again until Saturday night. Uh, so they're going to have plenty of time to get some rest, heal up. You know, they just need to get through game two. If they can get this series 1-1, as you mentioned earlier, Stephen Adams almost certainly will be back out of the COVID protocols. Uh, Desmond Bain with a few days off, that'll do wonders for his back. Um, jaw will get a chance to rest his bumps and bruises. Same thing with Jaron. It's going to be extremely valuable. Uh, if they go down 2-0, I don't think they're going to get swept. I, I just don't see that. The Grizzlies are too good of a basketball team to get swept. Uh, so I still think this series will come back to Memphis. The question is, do they go the next three days after Tuesday into a situation where they're looking at themselves thinking, oh my gosh, we got to get this together? Or do they feel better about themselves and have a little bit better energy over that extended break that's coming up? So I think they're going to take game two. I think a lot of what Memphis did can be sustained outside of Jaron's shooting. I think that Draymond Green obviously is good for the Warriors, but Memphis was winning the game when Draymond Green fouled out. Right. So, or not fouled out, when he got ejected. So it's not like it was 100%, oh, look at, this the Grizzlies went on a run it was all because Draymond was out Memphis was competing with Draymond being very much part of what Golden State was trying to do so I'm confident the game two will be a Grizzlies win it's going to be a, a nail biter all these games are probably going to be nail biters I don't see anybody getting blown out um, but I, I think Memphis will pull out game two and find themselves in a position to try to get one 
out in Cali and, and make this a series. Everybody's got an opinion. Uh, do you think Draymond should have been ejected? I, I gotta ask. No, I don't think he should have been ejected. Uh, I, I think that he, again, we talk about reputation stuff. I think that he has a reputation for being kind of a dirty player or at least an overly aggressive player. And you watch that play. I think it was a uh, chase Lucas deep fried couch on Twitter who, who said it was two flagrant ones in the same play. I could see that, you know, the, the swipe across the face, the pulling of the uniform, you know, maybe you add up one plus one equals two, but I don't know that he was doing anything other than what he normally does. And I think that he has done worse things and not gotten ejected, if that makes sense. So yes. I, I'm, I'm not fully convinced he deserved to be ejected. Uh, and I, I stand by my bold take that if green had stayed in the game, you know, maybe GP two stays as the starter with that second unit and the Grizzlies have a chance to maybe build up their lead a little bit more uh, and they win that game. Cause again, they were winning those minutes against Draymond. So I, I think that it, it hurt the Grizzlies in the long run because it gave Jordan Poole, even though he was going to play a lot anyway, uh, it gave Poole perhaps even more of an opportunity, especially early in that third quarter to get hot. I was surprised he did get ejected. But I also feel that if uh, the roles were reversed, I put this out on Twitter, if the roles were reversed, I feel like that a lot of the reaction that saying Draymond shouldn't have been ejected, people would have said that Brandon Clark probably deserved to be ejected just because of, I think it was because I feel Draymond has more of a reputation when it comes to the media as he's very open with the media. He's part of the media when he's not playing, when the uh, Warrior season's over. You've seen him on TNT. You've seen him on ESPN. He recorded a podcast right after the game was over. He did. He did. Right I, I after the game was over. He ran to his hotel room to record a podcast. That too, yes. I, and so I think that kind of played into some of the people that were coming to his defense saying he could, shouldn't have been ejected. But that's that's just my opinion on that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I – I am of the mind that Draymond Green is unapologetically Draymond Green. Uh, he would have fit in great with the grit and grind Grizzlies. I'd argue he'd fit in with this iteration of the Grizzlies as well. He's obviously never going to be a Grizzly. But my point is Draymond is very much one of those 16-game guys that you want in the playoffs. And he's also one of those guys that you love when he's on your team and you hate when he's not on your team. Memphis already has one of them in Dylan Brooks. <laughs> Uh, Patrick Beverly with the Minnesota Timberwolves in the previous series, you know, Draymond just might be a hall of famer in that category. So Joe, let's, uh, let's move on from the Warriors uh, Grizzlies series and talk about, talk about you. Um, you've made the announcement that this is going to be your, your last year with the, the Grizzly bear blues and you've put out some of your best work ever in these past few weeks. And I just want to say that the, the joy youth and the Memphis Grizzlies piece that you put out this morning or Monday morning, like it really, you know, I can relate to that as my child can't talk yet, but, you know, I'm looking forward to that kind of interaction of like, you know, watching the basketball or kind of what him watching me watch basketball or anything like that. And I really related to it. And I just want to say like, why do you got to go, man? Like you're putting out stuff like this. Why, why, why? Why? <laughs> Uh, well, I appreciate that, Ben. Um, one of the reasons I got to go is those, those two little girls I wrote about, you know, um, I think that the time has come for GBB to be 
able to move on from me. And I don't mean that in a bad way necessarily. I think that I have taken the blog. I live in Virginia, as most folks that follow me and us know. And um, I think that the blog, it's time for hopefully, again, who takes over is still not uh, fully set publicly yet. Uh, how that process will even go has not been made public yet. Um, I'm hopeful whoever takes over is somebody that is going to be there in the Memphis area because that's my vision for GBB is taking the next step uh, in the city, uh, having somebody there all the time, watch parties, being able to make GBB a part of that community, you know, fundraising events, all sorts of different things, uh, maybe even a radio show down the line because folks that have been around for a while know that GBB Live was a radio show for a short amount of time with Chip Williams as the host there in Yahoo 730 there in Memphis. Um, gosh, that was seven years ago now or eight <laughs> years ago now. Um, but it's true. Like that was, that, that happened, you know? So, you know, somebody that could take the, the platform of GBB and make it bigger and better, you know, I think that that can happen still for the blog. I just don't think I could be the person that can do it. And I, I really enjoyed writing the, the Joy Youth and the Memphis Grizzlies piece because it helped bring me back to why I've done this as long as I have. And it is that love for Memphis and the love for the Grizzlies. And, you know, I feel that love in a different way now through my children as they see me kind of interact with the Grizzlies for the first time and, and really kind of make those connections that this is something that dad really cares about. And, um, you know, I'm a football coach, I'm a teacher, you know, as I wrote about in the article, I've, I've been burning the candle at both ends for a long time. And, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a combination of things that, that I have to step away here. Um, but I, I do think in the long run, it's going to be best, not just for the blog, but for me, you know, I, I think that, you know, it doesn't mean I'm done writing, you know, maybe I pop up every once in a while at GBB and do some guest posts. I'm not ruling that out. I'm not ruling out an opportunity if, if it comes from somewhere else. Uh, not necessarily a competition sort of thing, but I, I'm just open to ideas while acknowledging that the main reason I'm doing this is it's what's best for the blog, in my opinion, and it's what's best for me as I enter this next stage in my life. As my kids grow up, I want to be in a position to not be tired all the time when I'm around them. Um, you know, I'm 35 now, you know, I'm not the 27 year old as crazy as silly as that sounds when you're 27 and you have no kids, it's a hell of a lot easier to go off of four hours of sleep consistently than it is when you're 35 and you have three kids uh, and your wife looks at you like, dude, I could, I could use some help. Um, you know, I, I want to try to be in a better position to, to be better for them, if that makes sense. So it's a lot of different reasons, but as you kind of mentioned, I really do want to go out strong. And I've tweeted on Monday because folks have been very kind in their feedback. Um, you know, I, I wanted to prove that I can still do this. You know, this isn't me going away because I can't anymore. You know, I, I've, I've been a little sleepy the last few <laughs> days, uh, but I'm, I'm, I wanted to prove to myself that I, in my opinion, you know, I don't mean to sound braggadocious, but I've done 1,800 pieces of content in nine years. I, I would be willing to bet nobody ha has put in the legwork that I have covering this team, and uh, and I'm including everyone in that. 
uh, no offense to anybody, but that's just my belief in the work that I've done and the body of work I've, I've submitted. And I wanted to prove to myself one more time that I could be that level of, of contributor and content creator. And uh, so far, so good. We'll see how, how the rest of the run goes. But, you know, Tuesday will be a lighter day for me because uh, we have several folks that have stuff running and that's good. And, and GBB is a team. You know, that's what makes us the best content provider out there on the Grizzlies is it's not just me. Uh, but throughout my time at GBB, there's been times where it's just me. And I wanted to get back to that a little bit and just kind of prove to myself that I still could do it. Real quick, if the Grizzlies get bounced by the Warriors, you're not going to Tom Brady us, are you? Are you, are you going to come back for another run? No, that won't, that won't be fair to whoever's next, whatever guy or gal is next to GBB. I'm not going to Tom Brady it. Um, like I said, I'm not going to promise that I, I'm completely done. Like, I don't know what this looks like. There is no, oh, surprise, Joe's going to SB Nation NBA. Like, that's not, none of that's been discussed. But this is just me stepping away from GBB and thinking that it's best for someone else to kind of pick it up and take it to the next level because I'm just not in Memphis. You know, I, I think that is a detriment to the blog at this point. Um, so it's possible I, every once in a while I pop up and, and submit a fluff piece uh, like I did today. Uh, but at the same time, it, you know, it, it makes sense at this point in my life and at this point in the life of the blog for, for someone to take it to the next level. So, so no Tom Bradying. I'll never say never, uh, okay. but I'll put it, I'll put it at 99.9% that, that this will be the, the last time, uh, the last dance uh, with me leading Grizzly Bear Blues. Well, Joe, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks again. And uh, looking forward to seeing what the, what the end of this, writing it out with you. Uh, sure. GBB. Well, I appreciate it, Ben. And I appreciate you. You know, you've won one of my better hires. And, you know, you have quite the, quite the reputation there in Memphis yourself with all the work that you do in the media there um, for years now. You know, so it, it's really cool that you've joined us at GBB. It means a lot to me. So, I appreciate you joining us and, and joining me for these last few years. And hopefully you'll stick around for whoever's next and, and keep making GBB uh, a, a stronger blog because you're there. I appreciate that, Joe. He is Joe Mullinax, the site manager at Grizzly Bear Blues, also the host of GBB Live, which is part of the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network, as well as this 3 and D podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, go Grizz.